The reading this morning is taken from Colossians 1, verses 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, (laughs) our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason... Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Our second reading is from Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 15, and this continues from where Claire finished earlier. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. First of all, I'll apologise if you've heard this before, but um, when I was 15 or 16, I felt very strongly that I was called full-time to uh, to full-time Christian work of some description. It was obvious, therefore, what I should do. I should become a teacher or a doctor and I should go and work as a missionary because that's what women did. So at 16, after GCSEs, I was um, all set to go and work in a children's home in Haiti over the summer. And less than three days before I was meant to go, I got a phone call telling me that the place was under government investigation, it just wasn't safe, and I couldn't go. I was gutted. The next year, I spent the uh, summer teaching English in Russia, don't laugh, um, (laughs) with four others who all had distinct accents. We could tell who had taught which group. It was quite funny. (laughs) That was a guide trip. It wasn't a mission trip, but it was worthwhile nonetheless. The year after that, I decided I was taking a year out, and I was going to do a year with Youth with a Mission in Argentina, 
And I was all excited about that, and that was going to be what I was going to do. And again, three days, it was always three days, three days before the money was meant to be paid, my source of funding backed out. And I had no way of raising like three and a half grand or whatever it was in three days. So that didn't happen, and I went to uni instead. Finally, in my first summer when I was at university, I finally, finally got to go on a mission trip. And it was just a short-term one. It was a couple of weeks in southern Italy. We were doing puppets and street preaching and stuff like that. And it was very, very exciting. And whilst I was there, there were two very, very important lessons that I learned. The first, it's a little bit silly really, but I'm going to tell you anyway, and uh, just a little thing. But we had an afternoon off. And in this afternoon off, we were going to visit some caves. And it was all very exciting. There was a minibus full of us and a car. I went in the car, and we got to the place before everyone else. And as we were waiting, it started to rain. And we noticed, there was me and my friend in the back of the car and someone else, two other people in the front. And we noticed that on one side of the car, it was raining. And on the other side, it wasn't. We had found it. We had found that part of the cloud where it finishes and starts because there's got to be somewhere where the rain stops and starts, hasn't there? We were so excited that we'd done that and we sat there thinking about it for a good couple of minutes until the minibus arrived. We were gutted that when we got out, we were just parked under a tree. (laughs) You see, we hadn't looked at the bigger picture. We were just focusing on our own little bit of reality, which actually wasn't reality at all. So the bigger picture, that's what we're looking at later on, so I'll come back to that. But the more important thing that I learned whilst I was in Italy was about my calling. I realised that not only was I completely and utterly rubbish with other languages, like seriously rubbish, but I wasn't good in other climates either, which I'm sure you can imagine. But it was during a devotional time that morning that I felt very strongly that God was speaking to me, telling me that, do you know what, you don't have to go to faraway places. You don't have to become a missionary. There are places back home, there are places that you go to all the time. There are people that you see, people that you talk to on a regular basis who haven't heard about him. And therefore, for me, I felt very strongly called that actually... The whole missionary thing wasn't for me, and that I didn't have to do that to be able to make a difference for God. I could make a difference where I already was. And that's when I first felt called to ministry, but that is a whole other story beyond that. But the main thing is that I didn't have to go to places where I didn't understand what was being said and where I couldn't cope with the heat. I didn't have to do that to make a difference. I didn't have to go to far-flung places to tell people about Jesus because there was a mission field right where I was. I didn't have to go very far at all in order to meet people who didn't know Jesus for themselves. And it was that moment that changed my future completely. I realised that there were people where I lived, in my student halls and back at home, who didn't know Jesus. And I remember from then on, whenever I was home, I'd walk the dog and instead of walking past the people who were drinking and taking drugs I'd sit and talk to them late at night probably wouldn't do it these days a little bit dangerous but never mind (laughs) 
I wasn't scared anymore of getting into conversations with people at work about what I believed. I saw real need in my own town and set about doing something about it with the local church. God could and would use me where he'd already placed me. And the same is true for everyone here. God calls some people to go and work in far-off places, and I, for one, am very grateful for those people because that's not something I can do. It takes a real special gifting. But for those of us for whom that's not true, he can and will use us wherever we are because that's where we're called to be. And that place is our front line. For those of you who weren't here last autumn, when we looked at life on the front line, our front line is wherever we spend most of our time outside of church, where we can make a difference for God. And you know, being able to do that is being part of the bigger picture, being able to see the bigger picture. And by seeing the bigger picture, I mean realising that actually where we are really does matter. If I were to ask you what you did with your church life this week, I wonder how you'd answer. Do you see it as the time you spend here on a Sunday or in midweek groups? Or do you see it as your whole life? God has called us to spread the good news. He's called us to be the good news wherever we are. And it's about all of our time, not just the time we spend here. Think of it this way. We all have... 168 hours in a week. I hope that's right. Let's pretend that we all manage to get eight hours sleep a night, because that would be nice. That leaves 112 hours. Now, I want you to think about the number of hours you do other things. It might be uh, cleaning the house. It might be cooking. It might be going shopping for the basic stuff that you need. I forgot work. There's work as well, (laughs) or whatever else we do. But that... Assuming that we uh, work an average week of 36 hours, which is is average for most people, and you spend an hour or so a day travelling, then that leaves you with 71, not taking into account those other things that I said. So by the time we've done the cleaning, we've seen our friends, we've sorted the kids out, we've gone to visit the neighbour, we've gone to do whatever it is we need to do, we've probably gone into negative hours. And the point is that There's not much time left on an average week to do much else, is there? So how on earth would we ever fit speaking to people about our faith in on top of it? But what if we looked at it differently? What if we took those 112 hours when we're awake and decided that every single one of those hours was going to be time when we did things for God, we lived for God, and we made a difference? Imagine the difference that would make. You know, often the problem is we think we don't have time. We say we don't have time, we might not have time. We say later on I will do this or when I settle down or whatever I'll do that. When things are less busy at work I will do things. When I've got more time, when I'm not as busy, when I, you fill in the blank. And it's all well and good saying when this has happened then I will, but it's about now. We all have a front line, and your front line is where you are right now. Not where you might be in the future or where you want to be, but at this very moment, right now, right where you are, right where you're going to be tomorrow, and the day after, and the day after, and the day after. In fact, every day. 
You see, there's more to our church life than this, and that's the bigger picture. Colossians 1:15 to 20 tells us that Jesus created all things for God's pleasure and purpose. Our life as a church is so much bigger and has far greater purpose than the building or the organisation. It's the living people of God. We are God's hands and feet here on earth. And God uses us in our very ordinary, everyday lives. And I suspect often we don't realise just how much he does that. People often think that it's just the once-in-a-blue-moon conversation you have about your faith with a work colleague that matters and makes a difference. Or the time you might have an opportunity to pray with someone that's the important thing. But that's just not true because every single part of our life matters to God. Every moment is an opportunity to see God at work in and through us. But how do we do that? How do we live as disciples in this world that we find ourselves in? Well, let's look again at what Paul had to say about this. Writing to the people of Colossae, um, it had been an amazing city. But now it uh, it was a time of faded glory. And Paul is saying that those places where they spend their time, it's important. All the parts of the places they go, well, they matter. But as well as being in that place, they're found in Christ. They live in Colossae, but they're also in Christ. And it's that being in Christ that makes a difference. We're called to live and work here, be that in a shop or in a school, working in a business, be it being retired or being a student. Wherever we spend our time, we are called to be there and be in Christ as we are. Whoever you are and whatever you do, you can love God completely and serve him as we do the things he wants us to do. Our front line is right where he's placed us. We're here in Horsham or wherever we go to work, but we're also doing what we do through the power of Christ in us. And by that I mean that all things were created by him and for him. In him, all things hold together. Everything matters to God. Paul says some amazing things about Jesus. Jesus, who had a purpose for everything in the world. He was the one through whom the world was created. It was created for him and to give him glory. And he is the one who sustains the world. And you know, Jesus brought the church into being. It was made for him so that in all things he might have authority. To be like him is the goal of the church. To worship him, to be more like him, he is the one who holds the church together. And our mission today, if we want to be people who align ourselves with God's purpose, our role is one of reconciling people to Christ. Sharing the good news with the people around us enabling people to be put back into a relationship with God. We need to remind ourselves that he has a plan for renewing the world, but we need to join with him in making this world as much as he intends it to be as we can before he returns. We all have a part to play. It's about our nation and it's about our world. Imagine the difference it would make if we saw our whole nation come to Christ. And we can help do that. We, can all, we all interact with other people at some point in our days. We all have that front line. And it's there through the way that we live our lives that we're called to be witnesses. What is your front line? 
For each of us, it will be different. But wherever it is, we need to understand that Jesus has a purpose for us all. And the best place to start is by realising that the task is for everyone, not just the few. I want to look at a few verses that follow on from the reading that Adrian read. Verses 21 to 23 in the message version says, You yourselves are a case study of what he does. At one time you all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble at every chance you got. But now by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together, whole and holy, in his presence. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. Every creature under heaven gets the same message. I, Paul, am a messenger of this message. There is no other message, just this one. There is just one message that we're called to convey. And that message is that we can all be reconciled to God through Jesus and what he did on the cross. The cross shows us that all things matter to God. All people matter to God. Every single one of us are important to him and it's important that we let people know about that. The whole of creation matters to God. Nothing is more important than anything else. No one is more important than anyone else. And we need to remember that because if we don't, we reduce God's creation to be less than he intended. If we're to live whole lives, we must remember that God's mission is about all things. God wants to work in the lives of all people. God wants to work in all situations. Jesus created all things in the beginning. He rules over all things and he will reconcile all things to himself in the end. Jesus changed everything for everyone. All things matter to God, and that's the bigger picture. There's nothing he didn't create, nothing he doesn't rule over now, and nothing that will not be reconciled to him. And the things we do day by day matter to God. Mark Green said this. So people's workplaces come into this. It's always easy to see that in the work that involves people is worthwhile. After all, God loves people. But there's more. There's creativity and beauty, so the work of painters and decorators and chefs matter to God. There is order, so IT consultants and mechanics find that their work matters. There is work that allow others to thrive, accountants and therapists. But for all of us, there is a sense that for us to live with this big picture feeding our imagination, we need to offer our lives so that we might live worthily of our calling. The calling that's embraced by the Lordship of Jesus over every area of creation. The Lordship that redeems, renews, recreates and reconciles. It all matters to God. The little conversation you have, the smile that you give to someone in the street, just the small little chat that you might think is insignificant. Everything that we spend our time doing matters to him and he can use us to make a difference for him. And finally, did you know um, that apparently only over half of the toddler groups in the UK are run by the church? Most of the debt counselling that goes on in the UK is through the church. 
The organisation put, that puts in more than 72 million volunteer hours a year, well, that is also the church. Tons and tons of food given to food banks, it's done so by the church. Places where local provision is lacking, it's often the church that steps in to meet the needs. The hope of the world, well, that's also the church. Or more to the point, God working through his church. We need to be open to allow God to work through us. I won't repeat those six M's, but those six M's that we're going to look at through the coming weeks. And as we begin to look at those things, let's remember the bigger picture, which reminds us that all things matter to God. God continues what he started on the cross through his church, bringing people back to him. That's the hope of new life. And he does that through us.